before we get to the episode, I just wanted to shout out to my fellow podcasters. Thank you for the support. I really appreciate it. I want to give something back to you guys as well. If you're looking for sponsors, affiliate links, ads, go on podmetrics.co. That's P-O-D-M-E-T-R-I-C-S dot co. And use my code Divine Healing by D to sign up and find sponsors. That's podmetrics.co. Referral code Divine Healing by D. Good luck. Welcome back to Divine Healing by D. Today I have on Mike Anthony. He's the author of the book Love Dad. This book is super touching and beautiful and it discusses grief, the grief and pain of losing a parent and I was tearing up the first few chapters. It's beautifully written. A little bit about Mike. He has been a professional actor and bartender since he graduated from Wayne State University with a Master of Arts degree in theater. His first book that he wrote, Life at Hamilton, it chronicles the time he spent as a theater bartender when he was working uh, for the Hamilton Broadway show. I'm sure everyone's heard about that. And his spiritual journey took a turn when his dad passed and it led him down this remarkable path of discovery so now he spends a good portion of his time exploring evidence suggested of of the survival of consciousness beyond the demise of the physical body and you know that's something that i love to talk about and actually part of his story is told on this documentary series on netflix called surviving death and he is working on another book and a documentary and i hope you guys like this episode and find some comfort in it if you relate to mike and here he is uh the author of love dad how my father died then told me he didn't as bartender and uh, sometime actor (laughs) great and do you consider or did you consider yourself a spiritual person before your pop your before your father passed away or do you think you stepped into one once he passed Uh, away it's always been a part of my life Mm -hmm. you know ever since I was a little kid I felt like there's a whole lot more going on than meets the eye Mm -hmm. Uh, my family wasn't a religious one you know we went to church like maybe on Christmas and Easter and that was about it um so we were not religious but um yeah, I would say that I, spirituality, um, it's a big word, you know, but I, I felt the connection to something, I'll say. Right. And has your definition of grief changed at all from experience, grief, experiencing grief? Well, my experience of grief has certainly changed. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, grief was something that, you know, until it happens to you, it's one of the things that you cannot comprehend mm-hmm. completely, right? I mean, um I, I'd had people grieving in my life before, you know, friends who had lost their father or mom, for instance. And of course, I tried to empathize with them. But until you're in that situation, you can't truly understand it. Right. And did you write this book to help other people deal with their grief and process it? 
I did. I definitely did. Because once I had the experiences that I had, mm-hmm. um, that totally changed my life. And like I said, my experience of grief, I mean, the healing that happened was incredible. Um, and I started sharing my story <clears throat> just by talking with people, you know, mm-hmm. in my life. And I found that it was bringing comfort to them. Um, and when, when something like this happens, something extraordinary and beautiful, and it that changes your perspective. I mean, I found myself wanting to shout it from the rooftops, you know, like, listen, everything's going to be okay. My dad is still here. I heard from my dad, you know, I wanted to like tell everybody, um, in the hopes that it would help them in their lives. And so that's why I wrote the book. Yeah. Oh, that's really great. I love that. One thing that I was wondering when I was reading the book, did you also like before he passed away, let's say, did you ever come across somebody else who had told you, Hey, you know, death isn't really real. Like I still feel so-and-so around me. Don't be scared of death. Did you ever get warned that this would ever happen, that you'd ever experience this? Um, not explicitly. Mm-hmm. I had, I had read some books, I think over the years, uh, when I was a kid, I came a, book, across a book called Emmanuel's book, which was written by a woman who claimed that she was channeling this sort of, um, uh, you know, high energy spirit, I guess mm. is a way to put it. And um, his writing, you know, the, the book that they wrote supposedly together is beautiful. And, um, you know, it talks a lot about how death is simply a transition into um, a larger reality. So I had that in the back of my mind. Um, but once my dad passed, like all of those things were not enough anymore. You know, once he passed, I needed like direct evidence Um, that he was still with me in some form you know when I was reading the first few chapters I kind of teared up and I said I did because I really felt like I knew your dad in a way I've never met your dad but I could sense that this guy was special the way he just left everybody better in a way that you know he found them is that am I getting close to how he was completely yeah he was extraordinarily Um, He was just an extraordinary human being, you know, he was not a normal guy, not a normal person in in that his love, all he cared about was loving people and making people's lives as easy as possible, you know, like I say, he would have done quite well if he'd been born like on a mountain in Tibet, he he would have been like a perfect monk, you know, because it took so little to make him happy. All he needed was your happiness to be happy. And um, I write about in the book how when I was a little kid, I actually asked him once because he seemed so different to me Mm -hmm. than all other adults in my life. Like he had such an innate goodness to him. Uh, One day in the kitchen, I was like, Dad, are you an angel? Just tell me. Just tell me. Are you an angel? (laughs) You know, I really did think that because he was such an extraordinary guy. That's beautiful. I love that. Like a very. Was he spiritual? Yeah, I he not like not outwardly mm-hmm. and not in a way that he would uh, talk to you about it. He was sort of the definition of spiritual, okay. if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like he lived the way all of the spiritual, all of the great spiritual teachers tell us we're supposed to live, mm-hmm. you know, being in the moment and, and just having gratitude for what you have in your life. And so he lived a spiritual life. Um, even though he like he never read books about spiritualism he wasn't a religious guy he just was that you know Mm, so do you believe when people say only the good die young uh i mean there's just no 
explanation, right? Yeah. We, we have, you know, for the way all of this works, I think from our human perspective, well, while we're stuck inside these brains, and that's how I definitely see it now mm-hmm. that, you know, we're inside of our brains right now and our brains limit our view of the ultimate reality, whatever the ultimate reality is. And uh, I think that from this perspective, it's impossible to understand why some people die and some people don't, you know, you have people who are awful, who live to be a hundred. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have people who are beautiful, who die when they're children. Yeah. You know? So just impossible to understand from this perspective. Mm. Well, they say it's about the lesson. Have they taught people the lessons that they were born to teach? Right. Right. That's yeah. That's um, something that I uh, make sense to me, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, people have gotten that information in other ways. For instance, this book, Emmanuel's book mm-hmm. talks a lot about why stuff like this happens and, and how earth is a school room uh, and how there are many school rooms, you know, throughout the universe. And, and that's what we're here for to sort of um, experience existence from this very particular perspective um, uh, through a human brain. Interesting. I have to look into this book now because I'm interested. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think he would say about this book? Have you asked him, meaning like, have you contacted mediums and said, hey, dad, I wrote a book. What do you think? No, I mean, they constantly say, you know, your dad's so proud of, of you. He's so proud. Um, the thing about my dad, I I, I kind of laugh when I think about him right now because he was the most humble guy you'd ever meet. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I don't have a whole lot of pictures of him because he was never in front of the camera. If anything, he was taking pictures for everybody else. Mm. So um, he was such a humble and, and quiet man that I'm sure right now, the idea that his face and voice is splashed across a million screens on, on the Netflix series. Yes. Um, which I watched probably... before I even came across you. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. He's, I'm sure he's like his, his red faced and sweating and like hiding in a corner right now because he's such a humble guy. But the fact that um, the message is being spread that love survives death, uh, nothing would make him happier than to be a part of helping anyone feel better in any way that he could. Aww. Can you tell us more about the documentary now that you brought it up a bit? Sure. Um, the Netflix series is called Surviving mm-hmm. Death, and it's based on a book by Leslie Kane, who's a, a New York Times um, bestselling author and a New York Times journalist. <clears throat> and it's a fantastic book. And uh, Netflix made a six part series based on the book. So each episode covers a different line of evidence that suggests life goes on uh, beyond death. So it covers things like near death experiences, uh, mediumship. Um, children who have memories of past mm-hmm. lives, which are, that's some extraordinary yes, evidence is. like that, that, that line of evidence alone, I highly recommend people look into. Um, so yeah, it's a great series that kind of scratches the surface of some of the evidence that's out there. That's, yeah, it was a really, int- I'm, I'm very into this stuff, obviously. So I've typed in maybe different keywords into Netflix, spiritual, um, haunted. Mm-hmm. And I think it was one of the series that popped up and what was the name of the psychic on there got her name she was also on the goop uh laurel Laurel jackson Jackson. it's funny because i contacted her for i think to do some kind of because of my businesses i wanted to do some kind of like pop-up or like a trunk show with her and i remember i was in contact to see if she'd be interested i was like dying to meet her because she is really spot on did you watch the goop special with her I did. Yeah. She's, mm-hmm. she's become a friend of mine. Oh, and, yes. I mean, 
Yeah, she's extraordinary. And her accuracy is really incredible. Um, I mean, she's gotten so busy now, she doesn't even do individual readings right, anymore. Right, she's famous. <laughs> she's famous, yeah. She's written a couple of books, you know, that are best-selling books. And um, so she still does some group type of mm-hmm. events, but it's just too hard for her now to do individual yeah. readings. But yeah, her, her her accuracy rates are really incredible. Like she'll turn non-believers into believers, like people who would never think that this is real. If your mind is at all open, if you are willing to give a fair mm-hmm. hearing to her and, and her work, then yes, it's my opinion, um, you'd have to be blocking something out if you, if you do not accept that something is going on with her that science can't explain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did ever, were you ever interested in reincarnation and past lives? And did you ever read more into mm-hmm. that once you experienced this? Yeah, I mean, that's, like I said, that's now become sort of my favorite, favorite if that's the right word, um, because the the evidence is extraordinary for that. And I have a memory, my sister and I, when we were little, we were maybe like three years old or something, and we were standing in my my bedroom looking out the window, and I said to her, um, when I was big, I something, 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 and I can't remember what I said. And then she said, well, when I was big, I blah, blah, blah. And both of us remember this. Neither of us can remember what we did when we were big, but we remember that we weren't playing a game. You know, we were, we were having like the serious conversation. And I remember being confused in the moment. I was like, wait a minute, we're small. And then we get big, but I was already big, you know? And for a moment I was really confused about that, but then I was three. So, you know, something shiny came around the yeah. corner and we started playing with that. And that was the last I ever um, thought about that. But um, when this information, when, when I started doing these investigations, mm-hmm. that line of evidence, I drove to the University of Virginia okay. uh, to speak with Dr. Jim Tucker, who is the um, head of the, of the Division of Perceptual Studies at the university. And, and they are the ones who uh, have compiled this enormous amount of data um, that, that very clearly says some children are having yes. memories from previous lives. It's like not in question. It really does happen. It is. I, I, I've watched a few documentaries or shows about it where these two-year-old, three-year-old boys are saying, oh, I used to fly a plane. And they remembered facts mm-hmm. about World War One or World War Two, or said, oh, you weren't my mommy. Somebody else right. was my mommy. Or then another yeah. instance where uh, this daughter says to her mom, like, you know, you used to be my mommy, but you look different. And I look different, yeah. which is... For yeah. a parent to hear that, I would think like, oh, that's it's cute validation and confirmation that, hey, this soul and I knew each other because that's like really what a lot of people. Well, I think spiritual people like there's something to look forward to, like, oh, which soul will come to me? Like, oh, I've known you mm. before. Like when you look at somebody you're like, oh, it's I, I can recognize you. I connect to you. And I think there's something so beautiful about that. So when I was like, going through your book and reading it I was thinking like you know this will give people a lot of hope like hey yes it's sad they're not here in the physical body of course it's it's awful but like how else will you meet them yeah uh, I mean it it, to me after everything that I've experienced uh, particularly the last chapter Mm -hmm. of the book I write about something that happened that I hesitated to even put in the book because it's so uh, it's going to be so beyond what the average person considers to be possible but I swear to god it happened Um, after everything I like I now live my life with knowing completely that my dad truly is still with me I have I have literally zero doubt about that and and that has lightened my load I can't even tell you. It's made my whole life better, you know, because when you're not 
Yeah. When you're not constantly worried about the end of the mm-hmm. journey, it makes the journey itself so much happier. Mm-hmm. Right. I, yeah, I agree. Uh, do you ever go, say to your dad, hey, dad, can you give me a sign? Should I do this? Is this the right thing to do? What do you think about this person? Like, should I go into business? Like random stuff. And does he answer? Yeah, he does. Oh, My cool. dad uh, has a thing with like flicking mm. lights. Uh, he seems to be very good at like, um, yeah, playing with electronic equipment. Uh, so I will sometimes ask him, you know, dad, what do you think? Should I do this? Should I? Can you give me a sign? Yes or no, if I should. And uh, a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll get that answer. And, but then I also sense that my dad is, um, uh, you know, he wants me to live my own life and learn the way, whatever it is I have to learn as well. Uh, so I sense that he's kind of, um, he, he's careful about how, how involved or not he gets uh, in that sort of thing. Now that he has convinced me that he is still mm-hmm. here, that, that to me, clearly that was his main mission. Um, and now I hope he knows that he can finally relax a little bit and enjoy his, uh, whatever it is that he's doing now. He's being a boss. Like he's being cool. And (laughs) um, when was his birthday? I'm curious. Uh, January 9th. Ah, he was a Capricorn. Yeah. Uh, No, Aquarius. Sorry. That's Aquarius. Yeah. Ah, you know, they say Aquarians are the smartest sign of the Zodiac. Oh, I'm a All right, too, so, so you guys are really hear. smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how true that is, but... but I have the it. same sign as my dad. We're a day apart, so that's cool. You guys are... Oh, great. Do you feel like you guys connect, like you understood each other being the same sign? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were... I mean, we were incredibly close. Yeah, my family. And that's why the devastation when we lost him suddenly was so great. You know, it's... it's it, it, I mean, it was really completely shattered our lives for a minute there um which makes sense that he then went to all of the incredible effort that he did and you'll as you see in the book i mean it wasn't just mediumship that there were a ton of things that happened that were extraordinary i mean he was not going to rest until we knew that he really did survive and that he was still with mm. us actually you guys are capricorns you're not aquarians <laughs> i was right oh i'm not aquarius i've gone my whole no, life you're a capricorn which is Kind of interesting to me because I feel like you're too fun to be a Capricorn. Oh well, I'm January twenty fifth. Oh no, then you Is are that... that. That's that's Aquarius, I think. January twenty. Okay, I'm Aquarius. So he was twenty fifth. Yeah. yeah, you're Aquarius because that's like twenty two. Okay. Those those two months I get confused. So otherwise, I know all the other signs. Yeah, he was a Capricorn. Yeah. Well, interesting. Yeah. What what are, what's the what's the defining characteristic of Cap of Capricorn? They're very regimented and they're serious. Oh, interesting. Okay. But then again, like your personality is kind of affected by your rising sign. So he could have had like right. a really fun right. rising sign. That's why he was, you know, could have been like watery. I don't know. Um yeah. So how would you define grief now? Well, grief is a, you know, it's a process and it affects everyone differently, Mm -hmm. right? There's no right way. Um, My sister had a hard time with this, like right after Mm -hmm. he passed and, you know, with people saying, you know, you've just got to get on with it. You've got to get on with your lives, you know? Um, And and there's just no right way to grieve. It's, it's, it's also a physiological process, Mm -hmm. you know, it can, it can affect us physiologically. Um, So it's just something that you have to go through, but um, this information that we're talking about now can really help to yes. mitigate 
the grieving process, right? And there's a great study being done at the um, Winbridge Research Center uh, in Arizona right now, where they, they have come to the conclusion that without a doubt, mediumship is a genuine phenomenon through, through uh, doing tr- tr- quintuple blind uh, studies, mm-hmm. right? They, they've concluded that mediumship is real. So now what they're looking at is in um, integrating the process of mediumship into grief yes. therapy um, to see how that might help with Dr. Julie Beichel is heading up that study. And because um, for me, it was like night and day. When I had this first experience that proved to me that something real mm-hmm. was happening, it was like something pulled me out of this deep, dark hole that I was in. Um, I was in this, you know, whole pit of despair and it like instantly pulled me out. So for some people, mediumship can be a real tool um, in the grieving process. I did. They did some research in the Goop documentary in the episode of uh, mediumship that said that actually people felt better after they were getting um, readings by mediums. And I thought to myself, hey, you know, I'm Jewish and it's widely known that. Jews are not supposed to go to psychics, mediums. What reason? Uh, they say you shouldn't really know certain things. You should just like leave it up to God. It strengthens your connection to God. But then I was thinking if it makes somebody feel this much better and heals their heart and helps their pain and takes away some pain, why shouldn't they do it? Yeah, Um yeah, it's an interesting topic, right? Because a lot of there, there are these religious connotations mm-hmm. and Judaism, Christianity yeah. as well, say that mediumship is this negative, evil thing, you know, that the devil's involved in it and all of this stuff. Um, it, yeah, it, so uh, there's a book out there right now by a guy who is a, he is a Christian, I think he was a priest or a reverend or something and, and he's also a hmm. medium and his whole book is about this topic i'm forgetting the name of that book right That's now a... sorry uh, oh it's called why, why are, are we, we here? here i think why are we here um and it's uh that's what it's about um integrating his his religious beliefs into this into this ability that he has and i think his main you know why would god make this ability exactly available? i asked myself that right? like a lot <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And and when and all of the experiences that I've had, first of all, most of the mediums that I've met with are um seem to be beautifully compassionate yes. people, right? Most of the ones I've met with just seem like lovely human they beings. Are. Um and and the feeling that you get from it is so full of light that um you know, I, I just use your own judgment. And and that's not to say that all mediums are are mm-hmm. the real deal necessarily, exactly. you know, also just to put a little disclaimer on it. There are con men. Um, people out there. Yeah. Comment or even maybe people who have convinced themselves that they're doing something that they're not really right. doing, you know, um, there's uh, for people interested in looking into mediumship, there's a foundation called the forever family foundation, which is a fantastic nonprofit group. And one of the things they do is test mediums mm-hmm. uh, in controlled settings. They do blind testing uh, and they certify them and a ton of people apply to this program to be tested and only a very small percentage make it through the test. So if you go to their website, forever family org, they keep a list of mediums that they've certified. So you can be sure that anyone on that list, um, Truly has shown medium mystic ability. Like Lilydale? Yeah. yeah. Lilydale is a is a town up mm-hmm. in New York. Yeah, that they, they don't certify uh, mediums, but it's full of mediums. Um, 
I haven't gone there myself yet, but I I, I have yeah. to make the trip because you're like the fourth person that's now brought it. <laughs> well, I just did um, an interview with uh, a shaman who said he trained there or he lived there for a bit. So he yeah, brought it up. Yeah. And then I watched the documentary because I was like, I have to watch this now. Duh. So, and it was great. I'm like, I'm going soon. <laughs> yeah, I watched that documentary, too. Yeah, yeah. So we'll let's take, take a, a trip. Let's you take and I trip. will take a little investigatory, <laughs> investigatory <laughs> trip. Love that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, for example, you mentioned reverends and priests. Do you think that mediums go through all the schooling and like go through the whole process of becoming a reverend and a priest just so they can say, hey, you know, I'm a medium, but it's like, okay, because I'm also a man of God. I work for God, this and that. Do you think they have to put that title on them to be more accepted? Uh, I think it's an incredibly personal process. You know, most of the mediums that I work with, because I'm also making my own documentary documentary, um, that covers a lot of this stuff. And a lot of the mediums that I um, work with, they've had this ability in some form since they were Mm -hmm. children. You know, like they, they would wake up at night and see a dead person standing at the foot of yeah. their bed, for instance, you know, they, they would see their deceased grandmother. Um, so it was just part of their identity growing up. And that's another question. Why would God do that to a three or four or five-year-old kid? <laughs> Great question. You know, this the, 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 makes no sense to me that you'd be expecting a little kid uh, to discern that this is something evil or not or whatever. Like, why would God show the image of a loving grandmother? to a young kid in bed at night. That just makes no sense to me, you know? Um, So for, yeah, discovering your own mediumship, um, I think it's a varied process. Uh, For some people, it it can happen later in life. Uh, But for for most of the people that I work with that are really good at this, it seems like it's something that's been a part of their lives uh, for a long time that they did not seek out. It kind of happened to them yeah it, you know? do, it just happens to you you don't say i'm gonna become a medium i'm gonna meditate every day carry a bunch of crystals with me <laughs> right right i mean there are a lot of people that do yeah. that and i think that that's why now there is sort of an abundance of mediumship and and the level of quality is not always as high as it could be is because there are you can like go to school to like learn quote unquote learn to be a mm-hmm. medium um so that's why you just need to be careful about who you're um, who you're seeking out, I guess. Yeah, I give a lot of respect to mediums because it's very difficult. Like you can be talking to one of them and then they'll just start looking up and I'll and I know the face by now <laughs> and I'll say, who's coming yes. through? Like, who is it? Like, <laughs> right. What do they want to say? She's like, I have to tell you this because they're just they keep bothering me. I'm like, tell me. It's OK. Right, I welcome right. it. And then I get all this like information, this like reading that I didn't expect. And it's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an incredible, you know, it, to be a medium, it, it's, it's weird for them, yes. uh, you know, because most of the Western society, right? Like mu- the average person in America thinks that mediumship is, um, is this is yeah. bunk, you know, it, it, like there's nothing to it because that's what mainstream science says. So for, for, for someone who's a really good medium, like Laura mm-hmm. Lynn, 
Um, and even for someone like me now that has experienced the things that I've experienced, I feel like there are two movies going on. Like I'm living in one movie where I know these extraordinary things happen. I know it without a doubt because I've seen them with my own eyes. And then there's this other movie going on where people don't believe this stuff is going yeah. on. You know, it's like these two totally separate movies. Going it is. On. And it also kind of has to be genetic in a way. Everybody that I've spoken to, they always bring up, yeah, you know, my mom's like this. My dad's like this. I interviewed this author and she said that, um, well, she had a hard time getting into her medium abilities, but she goes, my father saw JFK's assassination two days before he was assassinated. I was like, wow, Wow. that's cool. But scary too. Yeah. Yeah. I have heard that a lot too, that people um, have, have this in their, in their family somewhere, you know? So maybe there is a genetic component to this. So like, maybe there's a, Maybe there's a gene somewhere that uh, sets up your brain in a certain way that you're able mm-hmm. to uh, pick up on these frequencies, you know. That's why I wish we science would accept this because there are so many fascinating questions um, that we could be maybe getting some insight into. But, but scientists are just afraid to look at this because it's, it's, uh, it's so looked down on, you know. You, 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 it's like you're committing um, professional scientific suicide if you were working at a major university and you say to the um, head of the university, listen, I want to study mediumship. Uh, you know, it's just, unfortunately, it's got this stigma yeah. attached to it. And it keeps some of our brightest minds um, away from being able to look at you it. You know, I think soon people are going to be more open as we enter the 5D. Uh, they're going to accept us because, I mean, accept people who are have some kind of psychic ability. Because the more and more people are coming out at this time, especially with what happened during COVID, that they're yeah, stepping into yeah. their gifts and they want to bring positivity into the world so i think it's just a matter of time i think we have to be a little bit more patient and sometimes you know what from what i've understood it's gonna get a little bit worse until it's gonna get better i mean we had a sucky year but (laughs) there's a little bit more left yeah (laughs) right yeah, I felt I have felt that too about this year. That I, I feel like there is a a component to this that's spiritual mm-hmm. in nature. You know, to to uh, everyone being forced to slow down in this way, and a lot of people, you know, sadly are facing death in their own lives over the past year. Um, and I, I just I feel like there is a deeper component to this that in the end we will learn things and it will advance us in some way. That's my that's my own instinct mm-hmm. on it. Are there any like misconceptions about grieving and loss that you kind of want to address? Um, I, the only thing I would say about that is again, that it's, there's simply no way right way to, yeah, there's no, like, there's no manual about how you're supposed to mm-hmm. grieve. Um, so you just, it's just, sadly, it's part of what you have to go through. It, it's like, it's part of the human deal, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's such a big part, and I it must be there to teach us something. If if you and I are right, and all of this is for something, yeah. right? There's got to be a reason why we set it up so that death is a part of it. Right. Um, and 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 so my heart goes out to anyone who's grieving mm-hmm. in any way, um, and uh, um, I wish them peace. And and again, that's my hope for the reason I. I put this book out there. The reason I'm working on the documentary is because there is a ton of hope to be found out there. 
Um, and of course, you'll always miss the physical presence, like you said, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, do I wish I could give my dad a hug? I mean, of course, God, of yeah, course I do. Um, but but knowing that he is still with me uh, in a very real way, um, it entirely alleviated, uh, it totally changed my grieving process and and helped me to heal. And um, so, yeah, so that's all that I would say to, to anyone grieving, uh, that my heart is with you, my love to you. And, um, and uh, I hope that you'll find uh, the comfort that's, that's out there. That's beautiful. Love that. So your best tips on how to grieve is read your book. <laughs> Number two, watch your future right? documentary. <laughs> grieve in any way that you can. Don't put like limitations on it. If you want to alienate yourself from people alienate yourself from people don't talk to anybody right yeah. anyway there's there's no yeah, rules you might, yeah right right no um i mean try not to i would say try not to yeah, get too yeah, isolated yeah, yeah. that's where it can get kind of dangerous you know for me i was i kind of got <clears throat> to the point where i was just in my apartment all by myself in new york i mean and that that yeah. can be devastating so uh try to talk to people in your life that are that are going to mm-hmm. support you um you know, and certainly therapy yes. is definitely an option as well. Uh, you know, even traditional therapy helps people. Um, but I also definitely suggest if you're open to the idea, um, mediumship can be mm-hmm. a tool in your in your grieving process. Yes, I totally agree with that. Any other healing modalities that you like that you want to get into or you think can help other people with grieving in addition to seeing a medium? It's not something that I've really explored. I mean, the, when the, the, the only time grief has really mm-hmm. hit me hard is right. my dad, right? I lost my grandparents when I was younger. And um, so it was not anywhere near the same kind of a thing. So, and, and the way that it happened in my life was my dad started doing these things literally the day after mm-hmm. he died. So, so um, my, my experience of grief was different than a lot of people's, I think. So, um, because my dad went to the lengths that he went to. So, um, yeah, it's not the, the only other, the only grief, um, modality of dealing with grief that I knew about before this was really traditional talk Mm. therapy. Um, and in that process, of course, the idea is to accept the loss and move on. But what ended up happening with me and it is a different road. It's a different path because in my case, I'm not accepting the loss. Uh, I'm accepting that my relationship with my father has shifted mm. form, but not that I've lost. Right. Him, right. It's a different, it's a different thing. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm accepting that my relationship is, has transitioned into something different now, but I've not lost him. So that's where traditional grief therapy and maybe this, um, this other uh, mode of, of, of grieving, you know, using mediumship and uh, uh, checking into the lines of evidence, suggesting life after death, that's where they mm-hmm. might differ um, is that you're not accepting the total loss. You're accepting that the transition. In exactly. Your I love that. I think that's really important to remember. That's great. Great stuff, Mike. I had, where can everybody find you Buy this beautiful book, plug yourself. Uh, MikeAnthony.com is the website and uh, the books are available. The book is available on uh, Amazon.com and um, uh, Barnes and Noble, I think. And uh, on the website, I also have some clips from the documentary that people can watch if they're interested. And uh, you can also contact me if you have any. I've been getting tons of stories from people about their 
Yeah, it's been so great uh, about their own experiences, and I love getting them. And um, I haven't been able to get it back to everybody yet, but I do read everything. Um, so uh, I, I love it if anyone wants to send me their own story. I'd when can we those. expect the documentary? Do you have like a proposed time, maybe? That's a little bit of a, of a ways, ways out. out, I think. Now, you know, I, I have I shot a bunch, and then the Netflix thing came along, mm. so I took a pause. Um, and now, COVID. Yeah, right? <laughs> so once the world gets a little bit, yeah, once we get a little bit back to normal and it's safe to have the crew together again in some confined spaces, uh, we'll pick, I think we're going to pick the filming back up again and maybe do some different things. So it's a bit, it's a little ways out, but I'll, I'll put clips from time and yes. uh, time to time Keep on me the website posted. so you can see I'm, what we're up to. I'm yeah, looking forward will. to the future for you and seeing what else you have to do. And thank you for sharing your story with me. I appreciate it. I've had such a great time. Thank you. Take care. We'll be in touch. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to give you a friendly reminder. If you like what you're listening to, if you like my content, if you like my podcast episodes, really appreciate ratings on Apple reviews, subscribe, share to your friends, family, anyone you really think would benefit it. And thank you always for the support.